Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, presented by the tech doctor, Ronan Leonard. Welcome to the Irish News Tech Podcast. I'm here with Jason Flynn and the man of Chicago, any man from Avea, and they're here at the Bay event in the Hilton Hotel in Dublin, in Burlington Road. So tell us a bit about the background of, of, of Avea. Sure. So, Jason here, why don't I take that one? Yep. So, the heritage goes way back. So, if we think about the original founder and uh, developer of the telephone, Alexander Graham Bell, that's how far back our heritage goes. And then the story from there into AT&T, Bell Labs, and then into Lucent Technologies, and that was the first introduction here in Ireland. Um, back in 2000 then, Lucent spun out their enterprise division, which became Avaya. And so, we've operated independently since then. And uh, what kind of products are you developing at the moment? Yeah, so, I mean, uh, the, the, the core products is Unified Communications, Contact Center, but we've now moved into applications and networking, which Mon here represents. So, um, so I mean, it's a full, full array of um, applications, business applications and communications for, for, for our customers, from SMEs to corporates. And your clients, they're in different kind of uh, areas of, of business? Yeah, so specific to Ireland, we're very lucky. We have probably in the region 60-65% market share, and that's across the board. Um, I think one of the interesting statistics that I can recent, recently point is we've grown our market share in contact centre alone up to 83% of the share. So that's a, that's a great stat that I can point to. Um, in terms of development, we've got a, a huge um, R&D arm in, in Galway, so that's great for the Irish economy. We've doubled the workforce down there over the last five, six years, and um, we currently have around 300 people in R&D and a further 150 in support and finance services. That's not, that's pretty good figures. Yeah, yeah. And do you plan on in, in, in hiring more in the next few years as well? Well, I guess as we grow and as we continue to develop in the software, particularly in the software area, we are bringing more projects into Galway. Now, does that mean that we'll net increase? We're not so sure, but we may be able to certainly bring in new projects and more important um, um, areas of development for Avaya. And which products of your, at the moment you have is your, are your big sellers? Um, so the core contact center product would be the biggest seller, and um, as you would have known in the years in years gone by, we acquired Nortel Network, yeah. so that brought a, a huge base into Ireland. Um, Unified Communications, standard telephony products. Um, biggest one of the biggest growth areas that I'm seeing, uh, and certainly the biggest opportunities we're we're seeing is in networking, and a v- really exciting product. We've heard about it today. Um, and then we've got other additions like um, Breeze, which is the new open developer environment that we have um, that we have come we've come to market with. So lots happening. And how secure are your products? Why don't I pass them on? All right. So that's a very interesting question because security, we believe, is very fundamental to all our development. Uh, starting with the entire foundation of your network infrastructure mm-hmm. and going through the communications platform and all the way to the applications and uh, clients. Uh, if you look at the recent uh, news that's been coming out over the last few weeks around uh, the central banks in uh, Bangladesh, for example, yeah. that was a big story about the intrusion that happened there. That actually generated uh, a lot of press around the network uh, security because the hackers were able to penetrate through a second-hand cheap switch that was installed somewhere in yeah. the central bank and people were able to access through that. Uh, so we do very much believe that security is not a feature. It's something that you build fundamentally into your product. 
the way that we do it specifically on the networking infrastructure side is leveraging the new SDN technologies. Uh, so we really look at segmenting your network in a way that isolates different zones from each other and makes sure that things like CCTV, IP telephony, building access control, building management, guests, different user groups, different tenants are completely isolated and segregated from each other. Yeah, because uh, I can imagine if you have somebody who accessed everything, it's going to be your downfall. Absolutely, absolutely. And this is the biggest area of concern. So we want to keep making that zone as small as possible. Uh, and we're moving into a stage where they're uh, talking about micro-segmentation. Yeah. So I would isolate as much as possible, given that you still have access to the areas that you want out of the network. But in case of any attacks from the point of entry, that's very much isolated into that uh, zone. Because I remember a few years ago with Sony, when they got hacked, there was a file on the main server and it had everyone's password on it. And in my view, that, that's, that file should have been kept somewhere else. And everyone got access to that file. Absolutely. And, and the, the challenge is that networks were developed to connect things together. Yeah. Right. So by default, technologies that were developed 20, 25 years ago, you connect things to a network, they see each other. Yeah. Right? And what we have moved, and, and that was the case because it was just people doing emails, sharing files, and so on. Now you've got 20 different applications, 20 different services, 20 different tenants on the same network infrastructure. And yeah. it doesn't make sense to build separate physical networks. So SDN really allows you to virtualize your infrastructure. So you have different zones allocated, and the network is intelligent enough to assign devices, whether you plug in a CCTV camera or a telephone, and keep them segregated from each other. Yeah, and also, right now, if you have a scenario where you bring your device to work, you've got to make sure each device that you bring to work has access to only certain things and can it be used for espionage or anything else or, or theft or hacking? Absolutely. I think BYOD is a, a big challenge. Some of the companies a few years ago were still pushing back and saying, no, you are only allowed to uh, access the network with your own uh, company devices. Uh, uh, but that is not going to work anymore because people demand to have the access through the devices that they're most comfortable with, whether it's an iPhone, whether it's an Android, whether it's a Microsoft phone that some people also uh, <laughs> use. So no matter what device, no matter how unique it is, the infrastructure needs to have the agility to allow access, but at the same time protect that user from others and protect others from that uh, device. And which device is the most popular used uh, amongst your clients? Um, it, it, it depends on the environment, it depends on different uh, countries. Uh, more interestingly than devices, also the applications yeah. that are used. Uh, I'll, I'll give you an example. We did the uh, Olympics in Sochi uh, and uh, we've had uh, around 30 to 40,000 people connect and the ratio was around three or four devices per person. Yeah. Uh, and the number one uh, consumer of uh, bandwidth if you were to take a guess, you would probably think it's uh, something around, uh, you know, Facebook or... But uh, number one was Dropbox. Yeah. Uh, and, and the reason why people were taking photos and without even opening up their app, in the background, those photos were being uploaded to the cloud and saved to their profile. So that, that for example, is something as a trend that's moving towards uh, technologies that we don't really feel but are happening right in the background and the network needs to adapt with it. Yeah. Because I can imagine Dropbox over the year when it first was launched, it was, it was novel. Yeah. But now everyone's using that. Yes. And how do you make sure that even that it's going to be secure and make sure that whatever products, if you're going to interface with other products, you've got to make sure you can do it in a safe way that's going to be useful. That, that is the key aspect uh, of it. And the, we're not a pure security company. There are people who do intrusion detections and firewalls and uh, pure uh, security devices. 
but as a provider of network infrastructure, our responsibility is to take the alerts and the communication from those security devices and adapt the network in a very quick way to work around any intrusion attacks. Yeah. So whenever we detect anything on the network, we're able to very quickly automate the isolation of that the device into a quarantine zone, do further forensics onto that uh, traffic, and then make a decision of either blocking that device, continuing to allow it access, or to give an administrator a second look and make a decision. Yeah, because I suppose it's, it's, it's important that basically you don't suddenly decide that that device can't be as as be blocked. If you can make sure the device is safe and it is is okay to use. Absolutely. So we want to do that plug and play, yeah. but we want to also remove that plug and pray aspect of yeah. it uh, as well. So if somebody comes in with a device that has malware, they could not be aware of it. Mm. But as soon as they connect, it will impact other devices as well. So we want it to connect automatically, but have the smart intelligence in the network infrastructure to deal with any uh, threats on that device. Well, remember last year, somebody uh, developed a thing called Bad USB. I wonder if that comes into play, how do you come up with that kind of stuff? Um, th- that's a very interesting one because en- endpoint security is a big uh, issue as well. Um, and the network access control uh, takes it to the next step. So you actually have, whether it's software built in or applications that you add onto your end devices, that sort of detects or tries to uh, block so those yeah. attacks right at the endpoint. Um, and, and that's why I said a layered security approach is very imp- uh, important because you cannot say I have a firewall so my network is secure or I have intrusion detection or I have segregated my network into virtualized zones or I have an endpoint security application. You need to have a system of all of those layers working in harmony yeah. and automate the workflow of those apps. So when something is detected by the endpoint security device, your network, your firewall, your intrusion detection are all aware and you're able to automate this workflow between them. And also make sure the biggest law is, is, is a human being. Better one way make mistakes. So. And, and, and that is the biggest uh, challenge, obviously. Yeah. You can do as much security uh, investment as you can, but somebody will still have posted on their uh, laptop with their password on it and uh, allow people to access that. So again, that, that's just a fact of life, so you just need to work as much as possible. I've seen that. You walk into, into an office and uh, someone's there and he goes, how do you get into my system? You're supposed to be the password right, right, okay. right just there. Right there. And, and, and the challenge uh, is that people are also trying to cope with the levels of security that we're putting in. And the more complex the password becomes, the more difficult it is for people to remember. And it gets to a point where I have 20 different passwords. Each one is so obscure that I have no way of remembering it. Yeah. Uh, I had my uh, uh, nephew come in and he's 10 years old and he brought his iPad over the weekend and he said, I, I, I've locked out. And I said, what happened? He said, it asked me to put in a password and I wanted to make sure that all my sisters are not able to access it. I wanted it to be the most difficult yeah. password. And he said, I did. And <laughs> a couple of hours later, I tried to log in and I couldn't. <laughs> yeah. And so we had to factory default it. But, but that, that's the sort of, you make it so difficult that even you cannot. And the worst thing is, if you're working, uh, if you have a guy who head of your IT in a company, he's a guy who's doing passwords day and day, same passwords. He's going to make it so easy to remember because that's the biggest flaw you're going to have. Absolutely. I've seen that because I've seen guys who walk in and he's got to remember passwords for different departments. And his mm-hmm. password is so easy because he says, I remember so many passwords. Mine's got to be easier to, easier to remember. Exactly, exactly. So that's the human element yeah. uh, of it. So, so security is always about three things. You have to have the people element of it right. You have to have the technology element right. And you have to have the right process 
to combine all of this together. So it, uh, unless you have all of those, the triangle working together, then you'll have some sort of failure in between. Okay, and which of that was R&D that was done in Ireland, the security aspect and other things? It, no, it's not. The, the, the R&D to the networking is, is not in Ireland. Yeah, the, the networking is developed uh, in both in the US and in uh, Asia. Uh, but in terms of technology that is in uh, Ireland, I think uh, Breeze, uh, which is our development platform for communications, uh, yeah. that that is uh, uh, definitely uh, very much. Developed. I think I think what's 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 much more relevant to me in Ireland, um, Ron, is the development of products that are satisfying the digital revolution. So yeah. when we talk about where customers are going, and indeed our tagline for for for, for this um, ATF is transforming to a digital enterprise. So what we're seeing is customers who, um, who want to have an experience with, a, with, a, with an organization that takes them from any device they want to contact them on, but also with context. Yeah. They want to know that if they call back in, they don't have to repeat everything. If we can get to um, a, a situation where we can even route them to the same agent, the same person who was dealing with them, then that just creates a much stronger customer experience. Now, when you talk about what are we developing in Ireland, a lot around that contact center and how that customer engages. Um, so that's that's more to what we're doing here. Because I guess if you can have the customer dealing with the same person all the way through the process, it's going to be easier for them. And also for you guys, it means you can sell them a product that, that guarantees them reassurance rather than have to deal with ten, eight people over yeah. one query or one problem. Yeah, what we talked about this morning at the event, the, probably the most annoying thing is you, you reach a self-service front end, you type in your credit card details, and the first thing you're asked when you get to the live agent, can you give me your credit card details? Yeah. Okay, so we're trying to get away from that. And, you know, when we talk about the true omni-channel experience, that is exactly what we're referring to. It's taking that, that experience with the customer on his journey through the devices, through the different people, so that they get this, that, that cohesive experience. And also, I guess you're looking at basically what's going to be the new trend, so you're ahead of the game. Yeah, we are. I mean, you know, when we talk about these as being trends, we then we then start to think, well, how are they going to be consumed? Yeah. So, you know, cloud is just that huge movement, and so yes, we're addressing that. We've, you know, we've come out with offers where we can put these these um, products onto cloud, and indeed, as as we talk about Zang and and Breeze, um, yeah. that that that's that's exactly what we're addressing. So you might think of putting a why, what, where, when, and how. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. I mean, that's a good way of putting it. I mean, yeah. some of the other things we're doing is partnering, right? So we've announced that that some time back, actually, that we we did some investment in R and D work with with Google, so that they can voice enable their their application to, in 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 terms of Google Chromebooks. Yeah. So you can see the way the market's moving very much away from the traditional um, products and what we used to develop. And I guess you could frame this: this is definitely the new Avaya and where we're going. Yeah, because I know if you look at the, the print media, years ago, media was basically just offline. Yeah. But now it's got more online, and some companies, if they can't uh, adapt and move, yeah, like you guys, I mean, you, you guys still realize over 10 years, we're going to be going into different space in five years' time. The cloud's coming more relevant. In five years' time now, the cloud is, everyone, what, the, what is the cloud? Yeah. Now it's more, more been used. You don't know what's there. Yeah. And now it's IoT. Yeah. And in five years' time, IoT is going to be so prevalent. You're not going to ask what's IoT. You're going to be, you're going to be on something else. You've got to expect it, right? Yeah. And uh, it was a man who, who, who reminded me of a great phrase, you know, that some companies now are simply born digital. Yeah. They, they expect to deliver this service to their customers. Yeah. Um, so that's the world we now live in. I suppose it's a great world to be in because if, if you can be ahead of the curve and know what's happening next. Yeah. And then they see you as visionaries. Yeah, exactly. Because by the time you've got, by the time everyone else caught up with you, you're, you're then thinking, 
what, where do we go next? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we think we have certainly a couple of years ahead of some of our comp- competitors and the things we're doing. Well, I suppose that's the main thing. If you've got the good R&D facilities and, and the investments yep. and clients like Google backing you, that helps. Yeah. That gives you a bit more credibility in what you're doing. Yeah, it's a great story. Yeah. Yeah. I I think we're talking about embedded communications. So wherever you have a digital platform, you can just communication enable it with with whatever you're doing. But I just wanted to ask you a question. So when when you said, sorry, because I want to take a step back and go back to Breeze, which is being developed here in Ireland. When we talk about um, uh, Fabric Stealth, which is a snap-in, right? So that's developed on with Breeze, so Absolutely, on the yeah. processes. So Correct. can we? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So th- th- that is a great point. So um, yeah. to, to the point of uh, the islands of technology that we currently uh, have. So enterprises currently have a telephony system. Mm-hmm. They have networking infrastructure. They have CCTV cameras. They have video conferencing system. All those are really in islands of isolation between each other. Uh, and what technology like Breeze allows you to do is become the middleware that ties all of them together in a coherent workflow. And we're showing an example uh, in the uh, smart uh, city demo area downstairs where you have an intrusion that uh, is launched uh, on the network. The network alerts the Breeze middleware platform, Mm -hmm. which then looks at the location of the attack, looks at which are the CCTV CCTV, CCTV cameras inside that area, pulls the stream live into the network control center, dynamically reconfigures the network to put that attacker into a quarantine zone behind the forensics gateway, where the attacker doesn't know what's happening, but now I'm looking at every single packet, I'm collecting electronic evidence of what they're doing, Um, and at the same time, launch a video call that calls the administrator and security personnel in the team and puts them on a call where they see the attacker, they see each other, they can look at the patterns of traffic and make a decision and decide whether to disconnect that user or let them back into the zone. So that's your CCTV, your video conferencing, your networking, uh, all of this infrastructure coming together and playing one workflow which is completely automated. Mm. And, and that's what is the, the automation bit yes. is what, what we call Breeze yeah. can do and that's what's being developed here. Is there any way with, with the attacker you can make him make him think he hasn't been spotted yet? So you he can doesn't say, know. So in this case, yes. in this case, we are actually dynamically moving the zone that they are in the network. But as far as the end attacker is concerned, they have no clue what's going on. Yeah, they are behind the forensics gateway now, that is looking at every single packet and inspecting it. So they've moved to a quarantine zone on the network. But to the actual end user, that's transparent. Yeah. So there is. That's great. And that's ideal. You can look at them, you can try to see what they're doing, and you can see who the person is, uh, get a fingerprint of their device, get CCTV footage of where they are, and then you're able to have a much stronger case rather than just denying the attack flat out. And if you get a guy who's attacking numerous occasions, you're, you're able to go back and think, this guy's been here before, we know who he is, you can take instant action. You, you, you could take it to the next level. That's a very, very... Yeah. Uh, so so w- once you start uh, including big data, yeah. uh, so a lot of uh, casinos in uh, uh, Vegas, for example, they have records of people who are uh, uh, not allowed to get in. So you can very easily use things like facial detection yeah. and then uh, look at that person's location and then you can detect if that person is suspicious or not. That's actually, that's actually very interesting. That could be... Yeah, if that comes more, more prevalent uh, everyday use, it could it could it, it can be used for good and bad. Uh, absolutely, for good. Uh, I- imagine going into the office, 
uh, and having a hot desk and the network automatically is able to detect my entrance based on RFID or beacons, looks at the person's face without having to log in or anything, yeah. able to detect my identity, knows that I have a video conference call, knows that I have four people with me in the call, automatically greets me at the entrance, welcome, your room allocated has been room number 15, this is the directions you go and it knows my lighting preference, the video conferencing is already brought up, my telephone extension has already been logged in into the phone, and as soon as my meeting is over, everything resets and goes to the next user, and I haven't done anything. Yeah, and also it can detect, if, you, if you're given certain permissions in the system, it can then set them to your laptop, so you plug in, tells you, this is where you can go. Exactly. So a lot of problems that we see today is if you go to a, uh, an organization and you go into a meeting room like this one, you usually see the Ethernet network yeah. connections in that room. And if I plug in my laptop, I'm usually on their network and I'm able to see what's going on. Yeah. Now, what this allows you to do is if a guest comes in, they'll be put into a zone which has only access to the Internet, for example. Yeah. If a contractor comes in, they'll be able to access their services. If an employee comes in, they're able to access their finance service if an employee yeah. depending on the group and so on. So that makes it a very more segmented and uh, customized experience. That, that actually sounds very, very good because if you can do all that, uh, is it a product that's easy to sell, I suppose? Absolutely. Absolutely. Right, yep. That's great. Perfect. Thanks for that, guys. Thank you very much.